Happy New Year! Fuck it's 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we laid that bitch to rest. <laughs> My God, I know, I know that it's no quick fix. I know it's not going to suddenly be things are better. I'm just glad to not add any more to that chapter. That's it. The murder hornets. They're done. The wildfires, they're done. The impeachment trial, it's done. The election that lasted a goddamn month in the U.S. That's, well, to be continued. Oh, God. But it is, there are plenty of things that are now in the past that can be marked as finished. Plenty of things that carry over, but hopefully there's some, um, hopefully there's some good cheer in the air for all of you. Welcome back. Welcome back to Unsensational. This is our 10th episode that we're recording. Yay! Very exciting. For those of you just joining us, for those of you who have been here for a bit, I'm Joe. I'm lactose intolerant and I'm I'm queer. I'm Catherine. I own a cat. Her name is Biscotti. I probably don't own her. She actually just agrees to cohabitate with me, if we're being honest. <laughs> and yeah, I'm the lesbian out of the two of us. So this week, we, we it's a good one to begin the year. But uh, this this week, the episode is brought to us by the letter T for trauma. Because this holiday season, we will be bringing trauma and gay tidings to you. And we're recording it this time. And it's actually being recorded. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> what, what, what I loved, though, Catherine, was that you kicked off last time and you're like, hey, everyone in new york again blah 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 here we go we jumped into it and we get all the way to the end and it's like after (laughs) after we've recorded everything we're like all right love you see you later and that's where we both realized that there hasn't been this little red flashing light (laughs) both of us were fooled i don't (laughs) it was i very much appreciated that especially because we made it through nine episodes, no problem. But here we are. Big episode 10. We're, we're getting into like the tween years that we have here. Next ne- next is going to be the H-E double hockey sticks birthday. <laughs> <gasps> but yeah, everyone, episode 10. It's, yeah. I, I'm I'm very excited for us. I'm I'm excited. Let's let's kick it off starting about the the holidays and chit chatting. I guess you know a little little bit on that. I was raised Catholic. Neither of my parents actually are Catholic, <laughs> um, nor nor really practicing. But you know they they finagled the deal, and I was raised Catholic. Um, <laughs> They they finagled a deal. Yeah, I'll just you know leave leave it like that. I love it. (laughs) And you know, a a Catholic white family growing up in New England, we we celebrated Christmas. 
what's really interesting is I do not live with my parents at the moment. And I'm starting to realize how much of my Christmas traditions were kind of their Christmas traditions in turn. And there are, I feel like I'm coming to a point in my life where I now want to start making my own Christmas traditions. And this is like a big new, new concept for me. Some of them we still keep of, you know, opening stockings on the bed with your tea, coffee, hot cocoa. That's always a tradition, you know, stopping maybe for a little bite to eat, then continuing with presents, you know, something that how we kick off the morning. But something that I'm a little... Uh, I have a bit of chagrin about is I have not put up a Christmas tree since I've been living on my own. I actually don't have a Christmas tree. I don't have my own set of ornaments. Part of this has been a little concern since I have adopted a cat and I've had her for about three or four years. Don't know how she is. She's an adventurous little, little guy. Yep. And... I, I don't know. Even the apartments that I've been in, just not something that I've done. So like I break out a handful of decorations, but I am really starting to realize that I, I need to kind of cultivate my own holiday decorations for all the ones throughout the year. What do I want to celebrate and what do I want to decorate for? But what I was able to work on this Christmas season was Christmas movies of my own, because for some reason that I don't fully understand, Christmas seems frozen in time. The Christmas music doesn't really change up. Like Mariah's Carey, All I Want for Christmas is an anomaly in the fact that it's a very recent song. Any artists that you hear are just re-recording songs of old. Consequently, I grew up with Christmas movies of like, It's a Wonderful Life and White Christmas, which I do love White Christmas. So this year I decided to rent some movies like The Happiest Season. Lifetime came out with its own gay Christmas movie that featured two men that are actually married in real life. Oh, that is precious. I actually ended up purchasing that movie. And I'm like, maybe this can be a new Christmas tradition for myself. I I purchased another Christmas movie with Maya Bialik, uh, her uh, version. And that's kind of what what I dived into. But this is a very new realm for me of of what can I do that's going to bring me kind of happiness throughout the month leading up to the holiday. That is precious. I'm so, look at you. I think there are some traditions that we all carry from our childhoods where we're like, you know, this isn't, I don't do this because I feel like I have to. I do this because this feels, when this happened, it felt like Christmas. Or when this happened, it felt like Halloween. Or when this happened, it felt like New Year, whatever it was. I have a bunch of those. But I also have a bunch of things where I will watch a Christmas movie every night that like that's my thing and that's where I'll maybe I'll draw maybe I'll paint while I'm doing it like if it's a movie I've watched before I'll do like the drawing or painting or crocheting or whatever like while I'm doing that Mm -hmm. but I gotta and that's not so much a thing with my family like they want to watch a few of the big ones but it's not like literally every single night from December 1st through December 25th I'm gonna watch a Christmas movie 
I'm glad you found that for yourself, though, because you've mentioned it before in the podcast. You do that for Halloween as well. There are mm-hmm. a bunch of like horror movies that you watch leading up to it. And I think that's really important because a big thing that I like about the holidays, honestly, is just the anticipation leading up to it. So it's like, hell yeah, I'm going to start listening to Christmas music like right after Thanksgiving, like mm-hmm. the very beginning of September, end of November. I'm also the person in my friend group that will buy pumpkin beer the first <laughs> out of the group yep. and they'll be like whoa I'm judging you so much it's like the end of summer I'm like people they put it out on the shelves it's a limited time only thing I'm gonna embrace it whenever they release it to me yeah so, yeah I I like the leading up to it anticipation part for me that's also the same reason why and in, in summer when it comes to Colorado in June, for June, which is when we have our Pride, from the 1st of June till Pride, which is typically Father's Day weekend, ev- everything is gay for me. Like, I try to watch queer and gay movies um, or movies that have queer actresses or actors anyway, but especially during that month, like, I make a significant, strong, only trying to only consume media with a queer basis. I know that there are a lot of people who do that year round and they have cultivated a great, I know like a great understanding of queer pop culture and what does that look like? And what does the queer eye look like when it sees art and pop culture and media? And I have that, but I'm always worried that I will become so disconnected from the straights and the breeders that like, I won't be able to, hold a conversation at work with any of them and I know that money doesn't exist and it's made up and it doesn't matter but um having food definitely matters to me and uh the best way to get food is to have the money which means having the job which means Oh my god, did you see that new movie that came out? I didn't, but I so wanted to, right? Isn't he hot? He's that movie is gonna be something. <laughs> that social media platform that we reference in every single damn episode. <laughs> called the TikTok reminds me of this new trend on kind of like the queer side of TikTok that's like everyone's like have you seen this new TikTok dance that's out and about and everyone's like uh no on my side of TikTok it's like hi I'm gay and still figuring out my gender identity and what's that and I haven't had serotonin in like weeks uh sup and that's yep. and that's what it reminds me of. I do I I actually met up with some friends recently that I have been seeing regularly since the start of of quarantine and I did feel a little disconnected from them just even in some of our conversations. It, it just me talking about some some queer things. I I literally I brought up that that Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. And I heard good things about this one because I heard that it was just like it was a fun Christmas movie and it just happened to have gay people that were doing gay things because they're gay, but like it was just a Christmas movie with a queer couple. Exactly. 
I I actually loved it. It is titled The Christmas Setup. It also has uh, Fran Drescher, I believe. Is that who pronounced her last name? Yeah. As kind of like the meddling mom. Honestly, it was a great setup. And it's exactly what you just said. It is not about anyone coming out. It's about two people that just happen to be queer. And Lifetime, like, threw all of their traditional Lifetime stereotypes kind of into this one movie. It's like one of the guys is like a big corporate lawyer. And now he's coming back home for the holidays to his little hometown. And oh my gosh, look, it's this guy from high school. That's what it is. It's about as, yeah, like stereotypical Lifetime as you can get. And it was just really sweet to see because like their eyes sparkled when they looked at each other. And I'm like, you're married in real life. Oh, I, I was very happy with that kind of that that purchase and indecision and had my hot cocoa with whipped cream flavored vodka in it to watch all of my to watch all of my queer Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I was kind of like going through that when I was talking, chatting with my with my friends and talking about a couple of other things. And Joe and I, you had recently discussed wage and salaries and what I specifically kind of posed to this group that we had also touched upon is this kind of forbidden idea of sharing your salary with other people and coming from a point of companies can as long as and I'm talking kind of just a a salary here not minimum wage which is Mm -hmm. grossly inadequate But companies making it such a taboo subject that you are afraid to share it with anyone else and therefore your pay can be wildly different from that of your coworkers. And this was a question that I kind of just posed to them almost in theoretical concept. I'm like, I am literally not asking for anyone to share their salary with me right now. No, 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 no. But tell me. Tell me from your male perspective, have you ever had these these conversations? I basically like wanted to say to my friends. Right. <laughs> and I don't know what one of them didn't really. The other did. And it was like ages ago. And Joe, I know you have a story to kind of share about this, but did find that there was a like wild discrepancy or it was like three of them in the group kind of made around the same amount, but someone that was brought in like six months prior practically made like double the amount compared to someone that had been at the company for years and was always thrown those extra projects and put like 110% into everything and kind of saw that that discrepancy and what was interesting is I had been I had done a bit of research even personally because I'm like what is a livable salary at what amount is a human average human no longer going to feel the the pressure every day of worrying about their finances and from what I read, articles that I can't cite at the moment, so sorry. I, I thought they said it was around like 70000 for kind of like your average person in, in the U.S. That's what they are going to feel feel comfortable there. And, and I agree with that. What was interesting is one of my friends, their number was a quarter of a million, 250000 
was mm-hmm. what they had believed is kind of the you're going to have the ability to save for your retirement. You're going to be able to spend it on vacations and what you want. If you have yourself, a, a partner, kids, whatever, whatever your family makeup looks like, you're going to be able to do that and support yourself there. I think that what you prioritize is very different than a lot of people. And I also think something that's important that you brought up was like the average person. Like, for instance, I have more debt than the average person. So while 70,000, I can be like, I, I could make it work. Mm-hmm. Like my number of, I could begin to pay off more than the minimum for all of my debt. Yep. And I could begin to even like, maybe even invest a small amount for the future. For me, it would be around like, if I could do a hundred, like a hundred thousand, I think I could make really, really incredible decisions for myself that make me feel empowered and comfortable and happy. Yep. I also know that when you were talking about like um, the average where people would be comfortable, you where money doesn't buy happiness. It's funny because the cutoff for like, when does money stop actually making you more happy is right about $75,000 per year. A few years ago, uh, so using, I, it had to have been around 2016, 2017, but it was mm-hmm. $75,000 in the 2016, 2017 world. Yep. Making more than that wasn't going to make you happier, but making less than that was going to make you continuously less happy. That's right. Thank you. That's what I was calling upon. And and you're right. I forgot to average in any type of debt or student loans or credit cards or anything that may be previously withstanding. Never mind the fact of like, do you want to rent or do you actually want to purchase like a condo or a house or something? The ability to save up for that, cars, all that stuff. And yes, what you said is what I was thinking too, that 70, 75,000 It's frustrating to know that I have to work so much harder to be able to make myself as happy because being, I I absolutely get white skin privilege. I I will not beat around the bush with that ever. Our listeners can't see me, but like, I'm more pink than you are, (laughs) but that's about the only difference in the way people would perceive us. Sure. Um, My last name. Mexican. I'm Mexican, Irish, Italian, but like half Mexican, Irish, Italian kind of tossed in on the other side with small bits and pieces everywhere. But I am a woman and I am queer. And when it comes to people who have never met me and don't know what my face looks like, I don't always have the privilege. I can't utilize the privilege of the way I look because my name is Mexican. And so on paper, if it's not someone who's met me, I'm less likely and I am less often provided with more money for what I do. And so it sucks to know that like that I have to work that much harder. And I know I don't have it the worst because first of all, my full legal name does not make me sound like I'm not white or that I'm not Eurocentric or like Christian believing. My name absolutely does. I have <laughs> five names. <laughs> also raised Catholic. Shocker. So it, it, it's just so frustrating to know that like that, that it gets so much harder. It gets harder for people that are 
even more gender nonconforming than I am. It gets even harder for people whose names don't sound as Christian or as white as mine do. It gets even harder for people who look more outwardly queer. And it sucks. It's so frustrating. And this is why I think that talking about money becomes so important because like you and I have said to each other, we're not talking about you have the same job, but someone else has different qualifications. You know, they've gone to get certain certificates or they've done certain trainings to get more experience. I'm not talking about you've been at the company for 10 more years. And so, of course, you should be making more like all this experience. You have these relationships you've built with people that's worth money. Yeah. But what I do hate is a story that I think I I have mentioned before, but I don't think any of the listeners have heard it. I had a friend who had been working in this job for 10, 15 years, long ass time. They made a certain amount of money. I made a certain amount of money. I didn't know I made more than them. There was someone who was hired after me who made even more than I did. And when the person who had been there for forever found out how much the new person made, they were livid because they had been working and driving and doing the extra product projects and taking on items and training people and creating manuals and processes, making things better. And they weren't even making as much as someone new. And they count on people not talking about this for that reason. They don't want people who have been there for forever to know that, oh, well, we had to adjust the amount of money to get new people in the door because in general, the cost of things are going up. And so, you know, we have to go with the economy. Mm -hmm. And you think that people who have been working the same job for 10 years aren't affected Mm -hmm. by that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You think they aren't affected by inflation, the rising cost of housing, especially where I am? You think that that's not a thing? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, we'll just keep giving you 2% and 2% and 2% year, year after year. If it does turn into that where you do have an opportunity for your salary to even get raised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has been awful. It's horrible. I would like the idea of money doesn't buy happiness to die. It it absolutely does. There is, it Mm -hmm. eliminates stress. And Mm -hmm. that actually allows you an opportunity to kind of find happiness or just even live a better quality of life. No, I I need them to die. Because here's here's the thing, Catherine. I have chronic shit that I would love to get taken care of. But that takes an investment of money and time from me. And I don't even have the kind of chronic shit that's literally going to kill me if I neglect it. I mean, like it will, but like very, very slowly, not like rapidly, (laughs) you know, like a couple years, couple months, couple days, couple weeks, instantaneously. Like if I'm not, I have a massive amount of privilege in the, in the amount of health that I have. Money can't buy happiness. Really? Really? Cause you know, it can buy insulin. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people who need insulin are like worthy of having access to this thing that without it, they would die. Or that insulin doesn't have to cost a shit ton of money. And even if you lived close to our Canadian border, could just, I don't know, 
hop on over and actually buy it there for less than $10, is it? Maybe. I feel like people, I'm going to say this, and I don't know how it's going to end up sounding in the podcast. This might be something that we need to move around. I am very comfortable saying that the United States in general has the mentality of a death cult where it's very Ebenezer Scrooge. Things will get better when a certain amount of the population dies off. Very eugenics based. Mm. If these people whose bodies cannot sustain themselves would pass away, the rest of us wouldn't have to pick up the slack. If these people Mm. who cannot intellectually and mentally provide us with so much more, if they were just didn't exist, we could be so much better. And it's on the other side of these people's death that our country would be reborn. And that mentality is terrifying to me. I think that people don't realize that that is eugenics. They think eugenics is just like the twin experiments that, yeah, sure. We all know from the Nazis, but uh, that shit was actually copied from American scientists. It's baffling to me. And I I think it's even more frustrating that when we talk about money and when you talk about minimum wage, especially people with disabilities can be paid a fraction of the minimum wage. Yep. If the average worker can widget a hundred widgets an hour with all the training experience that they have that on average, a hundred widgets an hour and a new person comes in and with minimal training, (laughs) minimal understanding, they can widget, I don't know, 30 widgets an hour. The company is allowed to pay them 30% of that hourly minimum wage. It is legal to pay people sub-minimum wage. And you know who that tends to be? A person with a disability. That is baffling to me. And this is why talking about money is so important. And people feel weird about it because like as someone who has a lot of debt I always feel embarrassed talking about it because like well you know I don't make as much as I probably should and maybe I could have made some more better decisions and whatever you know so I feel some people are on my side but like I feel embarrassed to kind of talk about how much I make because it doesn't feel like a lot and then there are people on the other side who are like I don't want to talk about it because I feel like I make a fuck ton I don't know but there there is so much wrapped up into this it, it is mind-boggling to me that a person who is disabled can make less than mm-hmm. the minimum wage ridiculous it has become in the u.s that poverty is a moral issue that oh. if you are not making a certain amount of money you are therefore somehow lesser than and kind of uh, undervalued there and yet mm-hmm. we are a country that had more than six months between our stimulus checks. And exactly to your point about if we want to see where our country prioritizes the life of individuals, we don't. Because the reason that we have, again, I will say it again, I will die upon this hill, that we had more than six months in between our stimulus checks is because the economy and the stock market was doing better. And that's what people are going to care about. The fact that we don't have 
universal health care, the fact that we don't have any type of federal parental leave, the fact that we don't have any type of free education up until college, the fact that we still allow the death penalty. It is not so many thoughts were just all of those were just running through my head as you were talking kind of just you know just further that point and that is really terrifying to hear as as an individual so you have to figure out how to make it work for you this is where i think that companies start digging their heels into um how do we I'm going to finger quote here, diversify, make ourselves appear more tolerant. And what can we do to make that happen? So what they do is, in some cases, they hire the people with disabilities and they say that they're reaching out to communities to make sure that people with disabilities are given and provided a job. First of all, they say given as if it's like you're bestowing upon them the highest honor. No, no, no. They're working. All right. They're doing a job. And if you train them properly and they're doing the job, then they do the job. Mm. And that's just where it's at. Mm. No matter what's going on. So you have people do that. Then you also have people who want to do, um, and, and I hate this term and it's always used incorrectly, usually by people who think that they understand what it means, but they don't. A diversity hire. Mm. they think that what that means is this person of color wasn't supposed to be here but they had to add color or um this woman shouldn't be here but they had to bring someone in to balance it out mm-hmm. i see what you're saying and i first of all don't see any problem with that because i do think that places should start to reach out to hire more people of color people of different gender identities people of different sexualities backgrounds and disabilities because without getting the full human spectrum you're probably not understanding what the hell's going on in the world but also it's not so much that that person needed the company the company needed that person and that's where it's never flipped on its head companies are taking people who are a minority and i mean that in in any sense whether it's the way you look, whether it's your sexuality, uh, your disability, it doesn't matter. They're taking you and putting you in a hostile work environment because one, people aren't going to want you there. And two, you have no community that's not looking at the thing that's different about you and saying, mm, I bet that's why you're here. You can't take a queer person and drop them in the middle of a Chad culture at a company And just hope that it turns out okay. That's not how it works. But that is where they will go with the safe option. They want someone with some, they want someone who's going to look good in a suit. They want someone who understands boy talk. And they want someone who's just like, not quite what they would normally hire, but kind of what they would normally hire. And they bring in a whitewashed ripoff Kmart version of a black woman and they bring in a cis white gay man and they do it on purpose because they want the the color they want the spice they want to be inclusive and also for companies right now bringing in queer people is doing very well for them rainbow capitalism is booming but the salaries of 
anyone in the Rainbow Mafia are not. My salary hasn't gotten any better because I'm queer. Has yours? Did you get that good old queer bonus? (laughs) (laughs) Did you get that? Did you get the queer coupon in the mail that says all of your dollars are actually worth $1.5? I didn't. I wish. It just, I mean, it circles back to that lovely app. They were doing a trend where it was like, who is the, who in your community do you want voted off the island? Like, who's the, oh, who's the weakest link in your community? Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, like, talking as a woman, uh, there are a million. Talking as a white woman, there are a million. Talking as a queer woman, still a million. But just talking about queers, like, if we just go queer absolutely gay white cis men and i'm sure some of that comes from the jealousy of you get the privilege and the fun mm-hmm. and and i get the white privilege so i get i get a taste of it absolutely because i'm white before i'm a woman absolutely but God damn it. <laughs> I would like I would like just a, a smidgen of what that would feel like. Just a little bit of safety. Related to what you were saying, Joe, going through the TikTok. Uh-huh. Came across a video of Fortune 50 CEOs. Oh no. I can already tell I'm not gonna like it. <laughs> Zero Hispanic men, one black man, mm-hmm. three Asian men, zero women of color, three white women, seven white men named Michael. Oh, Jesus. Five <laughs> white men named David. Four white men named Brian. No, no, it wasn't just seven white men in total. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Named Michael, Mm. David, Mm -hmm. Brian. Mm -hmm. So even when you were talking about white, gay men, it just reminded me of of that. When you take just even a gander, a look at the, the white men that are Fortune 50, Fortune 100 CEOs, how bland how how very much unseasoned how very much unseasoned it's going to be full of michael david brian's chad's james all all of that and that's on the the island there it really is amazing what kind of just in one community from like the queer community here we are talking about the fact that maybe as a as a stereotype but kind of more often than not you're gonna find that like the white says gay man is the is the bland but to like the straights in that community that's just the right amount of little spice that Mm -hmm. we need that's Mm -hmm. that's just the like oh do you like hot sauce on your food oh yeah i definitely pour on the sriracha or the spicy mayo and i'm like oh no it's even worse because it's like do you like salsa yeah 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 hit me with that pico de gallo that really fires it up Mm -hmm. oh honey When I was 
again, kind of chatting with some of my some of my straight friends, what was interesting is they had brought up a story of a relative who has a child who is, I guess, trying out different identities. You know, cool. had come out to the family as bi, now came out to the family as lesbian. And in this story, the father was like, had an attitude of you have been changing up your identity a lot recently. You're still a teenager. I'm not going to put in the energy to kind of actually process through this or respect what you're saying, because how do I know that you've actually like fully committed to it? So taking an approach of like, okay, we'll wait and see how it actually turns out. And I was like, holy crap. I was like, that is so disheartening that this is something that you are discovering about yourself. You want the support of your family and friends and someone legitimately not taking it seriously because of your age, which they can do nothing about. And I'm like, right. you mean to tell me that like the first thing that you say to me or that you become, I'm like, okay. So if this father figure had decided to go to school to end up becoming a doctor, that's it. They can't become anything else for the rest of their life. Nope. They, they made that decision when they that's were, it. you know, kind of in high school or before. Nope. Oh, you want to end up changing careers and becoming a secretary? I, I don't know if I believe you. Mm-hmm. Or the fact that it, it literally just pigeonholes people so that they actually can't develop. And I'm like, what the hell is so difficult? But then what happens, Catherine, as we both know, is you become an adult and you're still trying to figure things out and piece things out and try on different identities and trying to sort all this through. But now because you people think that adults should have everything figured out. And if you're doing this many changes, there's probably something wrong with you and you're unstable. So you probably shouldn't have a job, probably shouldn't have a relationship until you get this all figured out. So it's not appropriate to do when you're younger and there are zero to very few consequences of you trying out these different identities, different styles, different ways of talking. So it's not appropriate then because it makes adults use their brains in a way Mm -hmm. that, they weren't used to but then it's also not okay to do when you're older because you should already have all this figured out Mm -hmm. it's only appropriate to do in kind of western u.s culture if you end up having a quarter life or a midlife crisis because of this and then if there is something big event happening in your life like oh my gosh you got married you got divorced you literally had a crisis then you can change up your personality because it somehow makes it seem like transformative yep they would rather have something traumatic happen to you so that they can understand why the changes are happening than for you to just say i think i want to do something different Mm mm-hmm it is so destructive. I remember being a kiddo and there was a lot, there were a lot of things, but I remember being really frustrated that the way that I wanted to present the clothing that I wanted to wear was literally off the table. 
you cannot dress like that. You cannot wear that kind of makeup. That's not how you do your hair. That's not how you talk. Those are not the things you're allowed to enjoy. But here are some appropriate ones. And that was really, really stifling and frustrating. Mm-hmm. It, it was just tough. Like literally growing up in that kind of situation, it was a bummer. Because then what you have is you have people who, sure, maybe when they're in college, but also maybe post-college, not only do they go through an identity crisis, okay, there's also this thing where outside of any mental illness that they may or may not have been blessed with, they also just go on this self-destructive journey of I have to try out anything and everything. And through that, they will gain and lose a ton of support and friends usually in a time when they could really use the support of a bunch of friends mm-hmm. and it's isolating. Yeah, it is. It's, it's tough. But then, you know, you, you come out of isolation and you're this fun little goblin. I'm excited for more and more people to be okay with kids doing whatever they want with their appearances. And I want that to continue to happen for adults, but I, if you are in sixth grade, what is wrong with you having pink hair? What does it matter? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get that. Uh, Cause even when I was uh, chatting with some of my friends, I'm like, okay, from, from a parental perspective, mm-hmm. you, you want them to be able to explore, but maybe again, and I can get it from, from this side, maybe not anything too, too permanent just yet. Hair okay. color. You can play around with that a lot piercings you can do those those will end up healing or closing if they don't want that to happen tattoos Mm -hmm. maybe just wait till they're 18 you know and then and then go from it that one i can understand waiting on like a little bit more but seriously something as simple as like clothes or hair color literally you can just go to the store try out the clothes return them if you don't like them go to a type of goodwill or kind of you know like secondhand shop as well if it's something that you don't want to like sink the money into i've also never understood why people spend a shit ton of money on baby clothes and baby items when they grow out of it so fast i swear joe if i were ever to have a child i'm just getting secondhand everything what the hell does it actually matter i don't get that mentality I digress, but that's, I, I mean, come on, that, that's something that is so simple to be able to support them in kind of just changing around their, their appearance. I, I can, rem- I can remember I, I was doing that and trying it out and out with my, out with my mother and ended up buying uh, red sneakers kind of uh, not converse, but maybe they were kids, but they were just red sneakers, wanted to try them out wore them in in front of my dad when he was picking me up one weekend and called them clown shoes and I sure as hell did not wear them again for for a little while and it's just I got a shit memory but I remember some stuff like that some stuff that's more kind of emotionally charged like I can remember those things that were I tried to step outside of my own comfort zone and fashion try something new received immediate backlash or was uh-huh. about it and i'm like hmm, okay don't do that now or yep. it took me a while to then become okay as an adult 
to be able to do that and be a little bit more adventurous and figure out how do, how do I want to present myself to the world? The world doesn't get to have an opinion about it. I think people forget how scarring childhood memories like that are. Like the, mm. there are some things that I remember so strongly about the way people talked about me and my body and conscious choices I was making about how I was displaying myself that still stick with me. Still stick with me when it comes to the, sometimes it's the shoes that I'm wearing, how low cut a shirt is. What am I wearing? Am I wearing sweatpants too often? Even if I'm just at home? I mean, this comes down to, it comes down to a lot. The other thing that kind of always messed me up a little bit is I was growing up, not someone that wore makeup regularly. It is not something I was personally interested in exploring until like later in life. I just, and and I fought with it for a while because I had a mother who was a beautician and kind of very much about that, those traditional feminine qualities and was so excited for me to try makeup. I like dug in my heel further and I feel like something else that I also grew an unconscious connection of is that anytime I wore makeup, I did have people gushing about how like pretty and beautiful and like made up that I looked. And I'm like, huh. But when I just put on like a really nice outfit or look really good, I don't get that same reaction. So I'm literally not receiving the same level, the same big level of positive reinforcement just for being me. And I think that we had talked about that. That was something that I was still, again, relatively normal childhood, but hey, everyone gets their trauma along the way. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's little, it just happens. But a- Delicious little sprinkles. Mm -hmm, That just pop up at (laughs) that fun, annoying times. But just the fact of like, no, you, you really do have worth and are deserving of respect for the simple fact that you exist. Just leave it at that. I feel like everything that we have talked about, even in this episode, the salary that you deserve to get, the fact that you can have friends and family that are loving and supportive to you, you can celebrate your own holidays in ways that you want, how you present yourself that's all okay to actually have those things in ways that are going to make you happy. Uh-huh. I feel that's, it's something that queer people have to come into. And I feel like it's, that's part of the reason why I think it's why we celebrate things so big, like new years, like Christmas, mm-hmm. because one, like I'm here, I'm queer, get used to it. But also, like, here's here's a good way to enforce, like, I, I'm happy I'm here. I'm here. And you're here. And the fact that that's happening at the same time is pretty cool. And we should celebrate this and be pumped about it. And I think that the more, the more opportunities we have to do that, the better it's going to be. The more fun it is to be able to look at someone and be like, this is so cool, man. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's better. This is why the gays go to brunch every Sunday. Absolutely. <laughs> Made it through another week. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Let's celebrate. 
<laughs> Here's my hot take this episode. I think mimosas are grossly overrated. I don't even like sparkling wine all that much. I am a very firmly Bellini gal if we're having brunch. I will accept no other drink alternative, but I am coming to you as someone who does not like Bloody Marys. But I think the mimosas can go away. You seem to be having a different perspective on this, Joe, considering it appears as if you've frozen on screen. I'm someone that, like, I have to force myself to drink sparkling wine on New Year's, which we did, which I bought. I had my Pride 2020 bottle of bubbly that we opened. And not my thing. Uh-huh. Not my thing. I... I love alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) I like mimosas because when I was little, there was no alcohol around. I remember one time we got to have mimosas and it was the coolest thing. Mm -hmm. And then again, when I was little, not not so little, but kind of little, and the Incredibles came (laughs) out and Mr. Incredible is in this self-flying plane and there's a robot voice that says, would you like another mimosa? I was like, oh my God, it's fancy. And then now I love mimosas and that's where it comes from. And I blame Disney for my alcohol addiction. (laughs) Maybe I should say that in therapy sometime. Maybe that, maybe. (laughs) Disney, you owe me money. (laughs) Brunch is a celebration of just having made it to the next week and not having been hate crimed and i think that we don't celebrate that part of it enough yeah it's always good to know that my friends are still alive yeah i i can't tell you (laughs) how many times my friends and i have said to each other during quarantine that we're just so thankful that we've kept our jobs this year Mm -hmm. it's just that every time that we meet up I, I promise you that is just a toast that we do. Just a moment of, of gratitude for, yep, we're still going to bitch about it. And it's everyone is allowed to be able to criticize something or bitch about something and yet mm-hmm. still accept it for its flaws. Want to just lay that down? Yes. Yeah. And just kind of just doing that as as a moment to I'm like, yeah, it's it's a good thing to be able to celebrate kind of just getting through a week at a time and then it will turn into a month it has been interesting and i'm hoping that this becomes something that uh helps people more than it already has i think that with as few jobs as there are and with the kind of people holding on to them, the jobs that are seen as essential, I am excited to see people who are essential get paid more. And I am excited to see people who, I don't know, I guess really fought through and stayed and did what they were supposed to do also get paid more. And maybe that's just me being really, really hopeful for the future because it's probably never going to happen because hashtag capitalism and go for as cheap as you can. But God damn, I would absolutely love to see people who have been putting their lives on the line so I can go grocery shopping when I absolutely need to. I would love to see them get paid more and also get hazard pay. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess I just feel like if someone is working at a grocery short store, they should make enough money to be able to afford to shop at that grocery store. Yeah. And I don't mean that that's the limit. I mean, like, if we were to look at the way that minimum wage has been playing out since, I don't know, let's go back to the beautiful time of, like, the 70s and 80s. If it would have kept up with where minimum wage was and the cost of goods and inflation, the minimum wage now would actually be over $20 per hour. Fascinating. Oh, and then that was also, don't forget this silly tidbit, that was also when the super high earners, the ones who are making over $1 million a year, were actually being taxed at over 90%. Weird. <laughs> you know what's also weird is I think the millennial generation started at 1981, which means that we have some millennials that are 40 years old. So people should start taking that into consideration every time they like to toss around the snowflake. So you literally have some millennials that are 40 years old that only have, I'm sorry, like less than 10% of the wealth compared to like the baby boomers that at this age, once they were in their 40s, had maybe approximately like 30% of uh-huh. the wealth in the in the country too. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think that it's gotten to the point for many of us where we are we've accepted the fact that we're not going to have the nice things i i have i've accepted the fact that i i will probably not own a home if i ever get to go out and live on my own i will it, it's not going to be in home ownership i will never be able to buy a new car i won't I probably won't go on regular vacations and all of these things. Again, these are very much like first world white people problems, but that's what I mean is like these things where we were told this is what you want to go for. I'm not going to get to do, I'm not even going to get to do the queer stuff that I want to do. I'm not going to be able to buy a plot of land in the middle of nowhere and make sure that I can, you know, fend for myself. I'm not even going to be able to do that in the middle of a city. And I know that so much of this is focused around, you know, independence. What can I do on my own? What am I doing? And that's what's wrong with a lot of what's happening in America because there needs to be more of a we. Like, we can do this together. But we can't do everything together. Sometimes individuals have to be able to do things on their own. Not every, not all the time, not everyone. Sometimes people have to be able to do things on their own and discover new things for themselves in order to continue to make things better for everyone. And I wish that I was one of the people in that situation. And I think that a lot of millennials are like, I've resigned that. I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to get social security, even though I've paid into it my entire fucking life. My government has stolen that money from me. Now, not all of them are as angry as I am about that. We can be upfront about that information, But uh, yeah, there are a lot of older millennials that get lumped in as if if the millennials are still the youngest generation right now. Like, if you're talking about millennials and you're talking about anyone that's a teenager, you are absolutely wrong. You can hate millennials all you want. Dude, we hate ourselves. (laughs) 
I, there is no one meaner to me than I am. I can trust you on that. You can't even hurt my feelings. But how did we all get that trait? <laughs> <laughs> A universal generational experience. <laughs> Are you your biggest bully? Ah, must be a millennial. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I, okay. One thing that I find so fascinating is the people who want to tell us like, oh, it's because you guys, you guys are snowflakes. So you got these participation trophies, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Here's the thing. One, I didn't ever get those. Two, if I did see them, it was because one of our parents wanted to give them to us. It was because the parents wanted to go home with a child with a trophy. Mm -hmm. We didn't, I, I didn't, I, nobody wanted the participation. Y'all boomers set this up to give us the participation trophy because you wanted to use your kids as a bargaining chip for status because you wanted to take a kid home who had a trophy. We didn't give a shit about that. We didn't care. I wanted the Capri Sun and some orange slices. And once I got that, I don't care about this hunk of plastic. Did, oh, we won? Cool. cool. Great. Whatever. But God, it, it cheeses me off so much. We weren't the ones who were offended by not getting a last place trophy. Our parents were the one throwing bitch fits about that. And then they get mad when we say, hey, I need a, I need a hit of serotonin. So I need to get this quick win. How? How? And these are the same people that said, you know, you don't want to work at McDonald's who belittled those people and then would still go through the drive through once a day. And then when you picked up that job, they would belittle you for it. But if you wouldn't, because your entire life you were told that this job wouldn't take you anywhere. And so you listened to that advice you were told that you were a piece of shit. You're too good for that. You're too good. No, I, I don't think I'm too good for anything. Let's be very clear about that. The opinion that I have of myself is not extraordinarily high. You know what it is? It's based off of everything that's ever happened to me in my life. And so if from the time that I'm very little, everything that's been said is, oh, you don't want to end up flipping burgers. You don't want to end up flipping burgers. I didn't know why, but like I wasn't supposed to be a cook. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that would have worked out better for me. Maybe I could have like radicalized some people in fast food and we would have more choppy choppy machines. All right. Well, uh, everyone, thank you. Thanks for joining us for episode 10 of yes. Unsensational. Recorded episode 10. <laughs> First episode of 2021. Very exciting um subscribe rate review unsensational wherever you are listening to us you can find and follow us on facebook twitter instagram and uh very recently pinterest we are unsensational jk on all those platforms send us topic suggestions via email to unsensationalpodcast at gmail.com or via the contact page on our website unsensationalpodcast.com we are actually for real in real life setting up our Patreon with different tiers. So go check it out and give us money. Patreon.com slash unsensational JK. If you feel like being 
extra friendly, you could check out our $1 tip jar. Just the tip. Uh, this has been Unsensational. Until next time, everyone, stay queer. Stay queer.